Well, hello, church. Uh, I love you, and I'm praying for you right now, praying for our whole community and our whole country and our whole world. Uh, today, I'm going to read what I prepared for you again. And maybe the last time that I uh, just read straight from this, but my heart is to be specific again today. I've prayed over and thought over every word I'm sharing today and begging for the full attention of your heart and your mind right now. I love our country and our community and our church so, so much. How precious are the freedoms we have here to rise or to fall, to stay or to go, to speak up or to shut up, to worship and to dream. I love the diversity of our nation. I love that there was a police chief in Tucson who ascended to his important role in only two years into the job. And he is a black man. I love that we have a system regardless of our personal political views that allowed the equal rights for anyone to be elected president regardless of their race. I love too that women have an equal voice and place in our country. I love the countless stories of poor people of all races who have found opportunity, created opportunity, helped others find their opportunities, and worked hard to develop their opportunities. And I love those who protect our opportunities. I love our policemen and policewomen. I love their hearts to put themselves in harm's way every day for our benefit. Despite being labeled and stereotyped and filmed and scrutinized and followed home and injured and underappreciated, they do a hard job so that anarchy, chaos, and crime do not run rampant in our communities. Between police, our first responders, and our veterans, we owe a debt of gratitude. With anything as great as our country, the enemy will try to come and destroy. The devil will do his best work in dividing and conquering. He's done it to great nations before ours, and he's done it to great churches before ours. For centuries, he divides, conquers, lies, inflames, makes us lazy, and plays to our weaknesses. Divide and conquer. It's good battle strategy. Get us focused on different political parties, different races, different agendas, different movements. Get us lying, believing lies, and therefore confused. We're soon like a house built on sand. In recent days, we ourselves have even 
found us falling into the same traps lately, and we are repentant and ask forgiveness of you. I love you all so deeply. I love those of you that have been following Jesus for decades. I love those of you who are on board with us. I love those of you who are frustrated with us, those whom we've hurt and those who don't even know what I'm talking about. I love you. And yet today, I'm not sure I care so much about what you think or what you want today. I do, however, care deeply about what Jesus wants and Jesus thinks. At the end of our time today, I will share some very clear thoughts about the Black Lives Matter movement, systemic racism, white privilege, and the primary role of the church. But first, we need Jesus' perfect word and perfect example long before we need any of my personal thoughts. Jesus is my best friend. He's the spiritual big brother for those of you who follow him. He's our creator and savior and the living eternal word. He is our role model in everything. He is our focus today, especially his humility. Where there is humility, there is great healing and great reconciliation. Healing and reconciliation don't come as a result of violence and revenge and anarchy and social media posts and political agendas. Healing and reconciliation come rather through the humbling of ourselves before God and before each other. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verses 10 through 17 say, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius so that none of you can say you were baptized in my name. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. That's a good word and a good reminder to me. Divisions have been in the church since the beginning. The tendency to follow an individual leader rather than Christ has been there since the beginning too. 
I beg you, please don't follow me or President Trump or some celebrity or some social media outlet more than you follow Jesus Christ. My job, along with Paul's, is to preach the gospel. I want to share my best friend, Jesus, with you. I want to open his word to you. I want you to gobble it up and let it do its work in your heart as it does its work in mine. And so I lean today into Philippians chapter 2. Uh, for the power of God and his word to work on us all. And I open it plainly here, lest I hinder the real work, the real power of Christ. Paul in Philippians 2 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Looking not only to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset of Jesus Christ. The church, the people of God, uh, followers of Jesus, have a unique ability to unite under a common banner and a common love and a common purpose. And just because we're different or value different things doesn't mean we need to be on different pages when it comes to the only real life that matters. That is Jesus Christ. Friends, please lay aside these fabricated worldly constructs and philosophies and unite, please, under the word of God and the person of Jesus Christ. He was the one who did nothing out of selfish gain or pride. He was the one who humbly valued others above himself. He was the one who didn't look to his own interests, but to the interests of others. That was his mindset, the mindset of Jesus. Look at my best friend, Jesus. Take a good, long look. Look on him right now, those of you that have walked with him for years and years. Look on him, those of you that have only known him casually. Look on him, those of you that maybe don't know him yet. Look at Jesus, seen in verses six and seven, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Did you catch it? Jesus' very nature is divine. He is equal to God. He's not just some guy. He's not just a good teacher. 
He's not just a remarkable, miracle-working human being. He's God Almighty. And God Almighty didn't grasp tightly to his favored position and stay far above us. Instead, he would stoop down to his creation in order to lift it up, as C.S. Lewis says. Like a brilliantly beautiful tree that at some point must take on a belittlement of itself into something acorn hard, small, and appearing almost dead, falling to the ground and burrowing in deep, it is then that the new life blossoms into a beautiful tree of its own. This is what the uh, incarnation is. This is what Jesus does for us in the incarnation. Other religions show human beings working their way up to God's good graces, but Christianity stands alone as the faith showing God coming down for each of us. And so Christ retains all of his divine nature, but simultaneously makes himself nothing. Meaning he empties himself of the glories of heaven. He empties himself of independent use of his divine power, fully submitting himself to the Father so that he can better sympathize with us. He even momentarily experiences the absence of a favorable relationship with his Father when On the cross, he cries out in his humanity, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the same moment, he became our sin so that we might become his righteousness. Do you see my best friend, Jesus? He made himself nothing. He was more concerned about making something out of us than making something of himself. He came as a servant to serve, not to be served. He came without anything and borrowed everything from a place to be born to a place to lay his head to a tomb in which to be buried. And then verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He became like us in every way, yet was without sin. He identified with us as the human race. As Adam sinned as our representative, Jesus saved as our representative. Do you see my best friend, Jesus? He stooped to save. As if becoming human wasn't humbling enough, he humbled himself all the way to death on a cross. The worst, most painful, most embarrassing and cruel death ever created is what Jesus willingly suffered for those he so loved. He was mocked, beaten, punched at, pulled at, and pierced, never demanding his rights, 
but rather humbly following his path to death. In so doing, he made a way for us to live. And then verses 9 through 11 close us out. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm praying right now that we would take an active part in what the Bible tells us will happen someday. I'm praying that we'd all bow a knee to Jesus as the only life and, and death, for that matter, that really means anything. Jesus came to rescue us from sin and death and destruction. He is our hope, personally, nationally, and globally. That's why he's my best friend, and my savior, and my Lord, and my God. Would you humble yourself today and acknowledge that Jesus is the only worthy Lord of your life? No politician should be. No movement should be. Not even you yourself should be. The one that loved you so much that he willingly laid down his life for you is the only worthy Lord. And he's the only worthy hope for all of us going forward. Please unite under Christ. Please follow his example in humility. Follow his example in obedience to the Father, saying no to sin and yes to Jesus. And follow his example in living a sacrificial life for others. Would you let him work in you today? And as we close, in an effort to be very clear today, I want to share eight things very briefly, straight from my heart. Number one, the church exists primarily to proclaim Christ and him crucified and then to make disciples of him. Number two, Real disciples repent of their sin in humility and grow up in Jesus. Then they start to show the fruit of someone linked to Jesus, and they love the least of these. They love the orphan, they love the widow, they love the poor, and they love the oppressed. Number three, we are unapologetically pro police and pro-veteran and pro-law and order, knowing that God has given us hundreds of thousands of self-sacrificing men and women who protect us every day from the violence around us. Defunding police is not a godly solution. Harming police in any way is an atrocity. Police are not the enemy. Sin and the devil 
are our enemies. Number four, our hearts hurt for the violence done both to black brothers and sisters as well as officers who have recently been killed or injured by protesters. Number five, we must practice godly wisdom in how we learn about and study about current buzzwords or labels, making sure that we process any cultural opinions such as silence is violence through the lens of scripture. Number six, we know that as a movement, Black Lives Matter has aligned itself with both neo-Marxist and communist organizations across the world, and it is fed by an unbiblical liberation theology with published goals to defund the police, dismantle capitalism, and disrupt the nuclear family. We do not support the organization or movement at all. Number seven, while racism is very real and very sinful in the lives of individuals, we'd be hard-pressed to make a good case for things like systemic racism or white privilege in our country. Any racism that does exist, however, will not be overcome with protests or violence but by heart change made possible by the saving work of Jesus on the cross through those who confess their sin and look to Jesus for rescue. Number eight, lastly, biblically speaking, we are all one race anyway, biblically speaking, theologically speaking. We just different have different amounts of melanin in our skin. We're just different shades of the same color. No one is better than anyone else on this earth. We're all God's creation, made in his image. And we are not here to simply make the world a better place lest we succeed in some tangible sense and still have a world who doesn't know Jesus as their savior and would, in essence, gain the whole world while still forfeiting its soul. We are here to be the light of the world showing the grace of God and the truth of God to a world that increasingly needs it. In the name of our almighty Jesus, my best friend, and Savior, be all the glory. Help us, Lord. Help us. Would you pray with me? And so, Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you. And we lift up all of the hurt and the pain that is going on in our own hearts and across this world and even in our own church. And we pray for healing, we pray for reconciliation, but we know that that's gonna come as we bow the knee to you first and foremost. It's not gonna come through any other means. 
God, forgive me for the times where I, I don't always know the right thing to do or how to operate. Thank you for the grace in the midst of those situations. Thank you for being the only thing that makes sense to me right now. Thank you for your patience with us. We want to build bridges. We want to be light. We want to stand up for the oppressed and we want to rally around our police that are caring so much for us too. And so we're needing godly wisdom. All the wisdom you can unload on us, bring it to us. And I pray right now for those that are here that do not know you yet, that if you're working in their heart right now, would you speak to them? Would you prompt them to turn away from their sin and turn to face the loving, gracious arms of Jesus who stooped down to our earth and went to the cross to take our place and then rose from the dead, conquering sin and conquering death so he could be alive and at work in us. And Father, we just give you, after we say amen, uh, just a moment of silence to honor officers that have fallen recently. And a moment of silence to honor those that are grieving of some loss in this time. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.